We are previewing the 2023 season for the Washington Commanders on today's Peacock and Williamson. What are the expectations? We got new ownership and who is QB1 in Washington for 2023? All that more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock here. No Matt Williamson. He is on vacation before uh, he hits training camp mode, but we are already on training camp mode today at BD Peacock on Twitter, along with my guest, the host of Washington Commanders daily podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Commanders. That is David Harrison. You can find him on Twitter and all the socials at DHarrison82. And today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So, for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. David, how are you, man? How is the optimism with the new ownership and a new season in Washington with your commander's fan base? Yeah, I'm doing great, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. Um, and yeah, optimism is at an all-time high. I mean, you know, this is this is my third full season covering the Commanders, so relatively I've been I've been on this beat very very short a very short amount of time. Uh and truth be told, I was already exhausted with everything going on Dan Snyder and 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 I was talking to some other media members uh during the prep prep uh, prep rally and the introductory press conference on Friday. And I mean, some of these guys have been covering this team since before Dan Snyder, so they knew like the excitement of Dan Snyder and then the gradual decline into uh, basically what I had kind of walked into and I just listened to some of those guys talk. They basically compared it's like getting released from prison. And that was uh, it's just it's a really sad day when people are talking about doing this for a living like that. That's that's kind of the the cloud that Dan Snyder's had over the team. And Jonathan Allen during the pep rally even said that he's been waiting seven years to see this fan base this excited. So the time wow. has finally come. And fortunately, we get to go right into training camp to see if the team can put a product on the field that's going to keep that optimism at an all time high. Yeah, it'll be nice to just to, to win a lot of football games and continue that optimism and, you know, ownership change and everything's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, and there's talk that maybe even the, the commander's name is not going to stick. You've already had three different names to your podcast, right? Uh, are we going to go back to football yeah. team? Is commander's going to stick? Is is that something that, that really might change? We might have another new name for that Washington football team. You know, it's it's really being discussed more as a a nobody's confirming that it could, nobody's denying that it won't. You know what I mean? Uh, the the most popular one is Magic Johnson uh, pre-recorded an interview for the Today Show that dropped basically as soon as the vote was done and and the sale was approved. And he was asked about the name change, and he said that's you know everything is on the table. We'll discuss everything after the end of the season, this first season, uh, which you know again to me is just a really smart way of saying I'm not confirming, I'm not denying. Um, I don't think it's going to change again. I don't see that. Uh, being part of the plan, I think this ownership group has a lot more things to worry about than the, the name of the team. And uh, again, if you put a winning product on the field, I think people will will begin to get behind Washington Commanders. And and I use Washington Football Team as a reference. I mean, when that happened, when the team name changed to that, 
literally the initials being WFT and everybody just said WTF, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it was the, the laughing stock of the NFL. But then you go two years later, and as the name is changing, there are a lot of Commanders fans, well, Washington fans, who were saying, you know what, Washington football team honestly kind of grown on me. I'd rather just keep that. And the only thing that had changed was a playoff appearance. And granted, they kind of fell into the playoffs for, versus earning a playoff spot. But I think if the Commanders become a playoff team, if they become somewhat of a contender and can move past this being the butt of the NFL joke, then people will, will start to get behind the Commanders as well. Yeah, more on those expectations for 2023 next year, David. But uh, with that ownership, what is the structure of the ownership group? And, and is there anything you've seen change already? And, and what do you expect to see from the new ownership? Yeah, so Josh Harris is your principal owner. He's the managing partner of the ownership group. So I think he owns 33%. That's, uh, don't say that as a report, but I believe that's the amount that he owns. I know he has to own at least 30% according to NFL uh, bylaws. So at least 30%, but I believe it's 33%. And then you've got a bunch of other heavy hitters in there. Mitch Rails is an accomplished business uh, person in the business sector. He's part of the, he's part of the ownership group. Uh, or obviously, Irvin Magic Johnson is a minority owner, but he's probably the most notable owner uh, to simply football fans or sports fans, right? So uh, Josh Harris, I mean, also owns the 76ers, also owns part of the New Jersey Devils. Magic Johnson also owns part of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like, so there's a lot of sports management experience in here, a lot of business experience uh, in here. And, and, you know, ultimately total, I haven't heard a final number, but there's somewhere around the ballpark of 20 total owners in this group, just varying levels of, of ownership there. So a lot of minds, a lot of people, a very diverse group uh, from, from what the NFL has been putting out. And that's kind of something they really wanted. Uh, to have as a diverse group of ownership to, to kind of help make sure that some of the errors that happened in the past don't happen uh, again. And the, I think the biggest thing with this ownership group with Josh Harris is this is a person who literally grew up watching this franchise as a child. He shared memories with the fans of walking down the street to RFK Stadium to go watch the Burgundy and Gold play and talked about a lot of legendary players who were also in 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 the audience during the introductory press conference and watching them win Super Bowls and watching them kind of represent the district. So this is a fan who also understands that he now has a job to do and I think that's really kind of the principal thing and and Brian I think the biggest change you can just kind of feel already is the fact that last year and I know you'll remember this social media went on fire one day at training camp because and, and you know I'll admit I was a part of it we started taking pictures of the lack of crowd at training camp practice uh, and, you know, training camp or uh, Twitter especially kind of started laughing at the Washington commanders again, and none of their fans even want to show up. Well, from that time to now you have uh, two former starting quarterbacks that are gone. A fifth round quarterback is starting. You have a coaching staff that's supposedly going to be on the hot seat. That's what everybody expects a non-playoff team. And this franchise just installed 2000 bleachers for more fans to come watch training camp practice because that's how many more they expect despite what we just described in a franchise. No other team in the NFL describing that, losing two starting quarterbacks, not making the playoffs, coaching staffs on the hot seat, would install extra seats at training camp. But that's what this franchise has done because that's how impactful this move has been. I love it. And all eyes are going to be on, as, as most training camps go, the young quarterback for the yeah. Washington Commanders. So I want to talk about Sam Howell, uh, what that co quarterback competition, is it a competition, looks like for Washington in training camp. Uh, one other note here on, on the new ownership is, um, like, some people might say, oh, man, there's 20 owners involved in this. Seems like, I, I don't know how many people is just going to, with the way that sports franchises are valued now, you're just going to throw, hold on, let me just throw down eight, billion dollars for your franchise real quick uh you're gonna have to have some friends join in with you uh on that even if you're you're somebody that owns other 
you know, in uh, other professional sports franchises. And, and it's really amazing. And for all of Daniel Snyder and how many people, you know, don't like him, man, he kind of walks in a, in a pretty sweet situation because, you know, he did, he did everything he did and he gets to kind of, I think, throw the yeah. finger up to a lot of people because he's like, Oh, cool. I guess I'll just take my billions and, and roll on out of here. Yeah. I mean, he would definitely, you know, I've had this conversation with some commanders fans, actually, like he would definitely still rather be the owner of the Washington commanders. But, you know, if you're going to walk away, you know, $6 billion richer, you know, as far as failures are concerned, there's a lot of people that would like to fail that way. And I get that, but believe me, he's not, you know, uh, he, he's not celebrating too much. He definitely would rather be uh, in, in charge of the Washington commanders still, if he had the choice. No longer new ownership, a, a new direction for the Washington Commanders. How will that look on the football field with David Harrison of Locked On Commanders next? Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And uh, I know everybody goes through times where maybe you feel a little uncertain about where you are, where you're going in life, or what the right path is and, and how you need to navigate the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trust yourself to make the decisions and give yourself the tools to help yourself be better at making those decisions. And, and it's just like anything else. The more you practice, the easier it gets. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. No rushing in your lunch hour or after work to try to get to an appointment somewhere. Uh, it's super easy to just log in online however you want to have your therapy sessions. You can do it. All, and all you do is you, you fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you don't really jive with your therapist at first it is super easy and free to switch therapists at any time for no additional charge let therapy be your map with better help visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on all right, we're chopping it up here with David Harrison at David Harrison 82 on Twitter talking Washington Commanders and the 2023 season and first with training camps opening this week. All eyes are going to be on Sam Howell and and how that quarterback competition goes. Is it a quarterback competition? Do you think one, you know, are they going to lean toward the veteran at first to make the rookie beat the veteran out or the, not the rookie but the second year guy, you know, a first time starter mm -hmm. and Sam Howell beat out? Jacoby Brissett, uh, how does this quarterback situation looking for you, and what do you expect to see from someone like Sam Howell if he starts, you know, seventeen games for the Commanders this year? Yeah, it's it, it's you know it's a quarterback battle in the theoretical sense, and that the team considers it to be an open position right now, and they don't have a solidified starter. But it's not a quarterback battle in the way that most people would expect it to be. Whereas typically you you hear quarterback battle, and both guys are getting first team reps, and you're going to expect both guys to probably start a preseason game. Uh, and all those things. But really what it is, is it's a quarterback competition to where Sam Howell gets the first opportunity to win the job. And what that is translated to during OTAs and the mandatory minicamp is Sam Howell gets all the first team reps and Jacoby Brissett gets all the second team reps. And until Sam Howell basically shows that there's a reason to start giving Jacoby Brissett first team reps, he's going to get all those first team reps. And so far, uh, again, through OTAs and minicamp, and, you know, you have to take a lot of that with a grain of salt because obviously the pressure is not real. The hits aren't coming. The pads aren't on. And, 
even in training camp practices with pads on, we all know the quarterback's not going to get hit anyway. So there's still that grain of salt to get on the practice or on the preseason field uh, for the for the first game of the, of the preseason. But so far, Sam Howell has shown nothing but development and improvement uh, and a lot of maturity. And I think that's something the personality of Sam Howell is something that's really playing into this. That's not something you can really quantify and you can't chart. You can't you know put a percentage on it on, on you know, a PFF spreadsheet or something like that. Um, and I kind of tell this story, I'll give you the quicker version of it, but you know, all last season, you know, when he was a third string quarterback, I'm, I'm having these conversations with Sam Howell in the locker room, most of them off the record, some of them not even football related, just catching up and talking about what's going on in the world. And, you know, uh, he's really good friends with, uh, with Mac Jones and he knows Bailey Zappi. So we had some, some off the record conversations about what was going on during that whole time period, uh, and everything else and really just getting to know the guy, right. He becomes a backup quarterback, still having these conversations. Then week 18, he gets announced as a starting quarterback. And I'm thinking the dynamic's going to change a little bit. I'm okay. I'm not going to be able to have my kind of, you know, locker room sessions with Sam Howell like I usually do, which, which you know, I, I had gotten to, to like those. So I was a little bit sad. And so we're in the locker room one day, and I'm just kind of standing there with the other media members waiting for a scrum. And Sam actually comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, what's going on? And we just start talking like we always do. I'm like, whoa, this is the same dude. And that sounds like a small thing, but it's a really big thing. When you're a young quarterback, you're getting your first start. Your parents are coming in. It's your dad's favorite team growing up. Like he was a Cowboys fan growing up. So like there's some significance to this. And the fact that he's the same guy, I think, speaks to the, the maturity level of him mentally. And then we go through this offseason of QB1 talk and will he be the starter? Will he not be the starter? Is Jacoby better? Da, da, da. And you see him at OTAs. You talk to him on the field and he's the same guy. And I think that that even keel that level type of personality really shows the resiliency that he has. And that's something that Eric Bieniemy has really highlighted as well throughout the practices. He's got some weapons at his disposal too. I mean, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, you know, his fellow rookie last year, the first rounder, Curtis Samuel uh, doing what he can do. So that, you know, and Brian Robinson, actually, that was, it's going to be something uh, if you get a starting caliber quarterback out of what round five from Sam Howell with the other, yeah. uh, that's going to look like one of the better rookie classes out there so um yeah fascinating to see what sam howell ends up looking like there in, in over the course of his rookie season you know you got to see that one start from sam howell what did you see from him as a quarterback physically was, was he somebody where like okay this is starter level stuff from arm and athleticism yeah i think that he can be a solid nfl quarterback right and of course solid is the word that we use for average and to a lot of people you say he can he can be an average nfl quarterback and that sounds like a bad thing but when you look at the way the washington commanders are constructed this is a defensive team that wants to win by keeping the opponent low on the scoreboard. And then they want to run the ball as much as possible. And when they added a guy like Curtis Samuel, you know, it's not like the Dallas Cowboys adding Brandon Cooks. Now, Curtis has wheels, certainly, but he's not a fly route guy, you know, every single time he steps on the field. He can do it. That's not his, his specialty, right? Curtis Samuel is a guy that can work behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, or within five yards of the line of, line of scrimmage, take a ball, and if the blocks are in place or the space is there and the design is right, can take that five-yard pass and turn it into 15, 20, what have you. And that's really kind of what the Washington Commanders wanted to build around their quarterback position. Uh, but year in, year out, pursuing a veteran quarterback because for multiple reasons, this team was in a little bit of a win-now mode because someone within the organization knew they may not have a whole lot of time to try to get a Super Bowl championship if you pick up what I'm putting down. Uh, but now, now that that situation's kind of out of the way, Ron Rivera has talked this offseason about finally being able to roster build. And so you see the big contract go to Deron Payne. And what you don't see this offseason is the pursuit of a big name uh, veteran quarterback, right? In years past, even though they didn't get them, Russell Wilson was a name that they, they were rumored to be in pursuit of Aaron Rodgers was a name the year before he ends up getting traded to the Jets that they were uh, rumored to be in pursuit of. But now 
They can take that quarterback on a rookie contract, pay some of the role players. And if you run into a situation, like you said, if Sam turns into an average or better NFL quarterback, you've got a playoff team, to be quite honest with you. I think we had subpar quarterback play from the commanders overall last year. So if you turn that into an average or better quarterback play, even last year, they win one or two more games. They're in the postseason. So I think that's really what you're looking at from a team makeup standpoint. So the the pressure on Sam isn't to be great, isn't to be Patrick Mahomes. I know there's going to be a lot of comparisons there with Eric Bieniemy in Washington now, but it's to be average. Do what you need to do. Don't be the hero. Let the team be the hero. And I think that, honestly, I think Sam is the right personality for that position. I love the strategy, to be honest with you. You know, you get to evaluate a young quarterback, give him all the first team reps. That's the most important thing you can give a young guy is all those reps mm -hmm. and and see what you have. And you can always go back to uh, Jacoby Brissett if it's a disaster. And, you know, if it doesn't right. go great, you go into next offseason and you you probably have a pretty high draft pick, higher than you wanted to have. And, and you can go address quarterback, uh, you know, accordingly, or you find out you have potentially a franchise signal caller there on the cheap. In someone like Sam Hill. So I actually love it. Now, um, you know, rolling with a young quarterback and a first time starter can sometimes, you know, hurt the rest of the football team as far as wins and losses go. And Ron Rivera has been there for a little bit. And when you have new ownership, you can expect change. We're talking about changing the entire, you know, branding potentially of the, of the organization. And, you know, sometimes GM head coach, those are the other things that start to fall along with quarterbacks. So is this a make or break year? for Ron Rivera, because you talked about team building. He's already been there a little while. It's kind of odd to start from this standpoint with that with a with a head coach that's been around. Um, it, it, does he have to win this year for Ron Rivera to be the guy that to see through the rest of this rebuild, uh, especially as it pertains to quarterback? Or uh, do you think they're going to move on no matter what and, and bring in their own people? You know, I don't think they're going to move on no matter what. I think there is an opportunity for Ron Rivera and his staff to keep their jobs. And I think, you know, the the benchmark that I put forth to say guarantee no matter what they're going to stay was earning a playoff spot. So, again, we kind of talked about them falling into a playoff spot in 2020, right? You got to go earn a playoff spot, be a team that takes a spot in the postseason uh, and doesn't just get one because somebody's got to make it type of deal. Um, but then you'd also like to see a wild card round win. Um, so at least, a, you know, a trip to the divisional round. I think if you do that, then I don't see how this ownership group goes away from that, 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 that path uh, after one year. Um, but there's, there's also another side of this and that is Josh Harris and his previous ownership group. So when he took over the, the Philadelphia 76ers, that coach, uh, that was in place didn't get fired until after the second season of his ownership, the New Jersey devils was actually pretty much the same scenario where both of the in, in place coaches, when Josh Harris got in control of his teams, weren't replaced until after their second seasons. Now on both those cases, the devils and the Sixers, neither team made the postseason, neither team was really on a good path. So when you look at Ron Rivera, even if you don't necessarily make the playoffs, like let's say it's a nine-win team, eight-win team, you know, if you if you're seven wins or less, it's going to be kind of hard because you've already had seven wins or less multiple times, and you're the head coach who's been developing that. So if you're kind of really not showing anything, but if you're an eight-win team, nine-win team, uh, and you are showing some progress, and Sam Howell is showing some growth and progress, uh, then I think there's a case to be made there that Josh Harris is a patient enough owner to give him maybe another year to, to put this whole thing together uh, fully. Because I do, I think if you switch head coaches, we see this all the time. There's a young quarterback in place. You get a new head coach. Unless it's like a first-round pick quarterback, typically that coach is now going to go find his guy. And so you're pretty much pulling the plug on Sam Howell as well. Um, and so it's really going to depend. You know, The context is obviously going to matter on the record. But I think anything, seven wins or less, you're certainly at risk. But I think eight wins or more, depending on how those eight wins come, you know what I mean, then – I think you 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 might be able to stick around for another year.
you could see why the they had tried to go get big time quarterbacks in the recent past because you start to look at the way the rest of the roster is built and especially with all those first rounders on the defensive line and uh, a ton of you know young talent in the secondary now and a first rounder at linebacker like there's high picks everywhere on the defensive side of the ball and there's pass catchers that can make plays and you got a running game with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. And I actually really like that sixth round pick and Chris Rodriguez too, mm-hmm. uh, as a rookie for that team. So it, maybe, maybe there's more there for rookie Sam Howell and, and he's got the opportunity with, with the defense, given the, the offense, the ball back. If he, if he does, you know, um, have a bad series or two during a game and, and having the opportunity with all the playmakers to get the ball out and, and make things happen in a new, you know, offensive coordinator there in Eric B bringing maybe a little bit of that magic dust over from Kansas city. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating team there. And uh, I don't know really what to expect from Washington, but I talked with Patricia Traina, who I know you've talked to multiple times a season during your crossovers, yeah. the host of uh, locked on giants. And it, it was a very similar vibe. It was like, man, this team, you know, could, could, Start making waves. Maybe let's see if we can. It's not just getting that last, that last wild card spot in the playoffs. Let's, let's go win the division. That's how you know that that you're you're ready for prime time. But this is probably the toughest division right now in the NFC. So where do you see Washington, David, on the way out here? Where do you see Washington in this division? Is it realistic to think they could go with a first year starter and and knock off the Cowboys and knock off the Eagles and maybe even go win this thing? Knocking off the Eagles is going to be tough, you know, but I feel like the Cowboys are taking a step back, and I know I'm kind of in the minority there. I think that a switch to defensive football isn't necessarily bad, but the things that they want to do on offense, they want to they want to commit more to the run, but they, you know, they get rid of Ezekiel Elliott, and I understand the reasoning behind letting Zeke walk, and, you know, he wasn't happy with his role and, and all that stuff, but they didn't really go out and replace him so much, and relying on Tony Pollard, who's coming off of an injury of his own, and just I don't see where the the, the the theology of how they want to run their offense is matching the moves they're making uh, on offense. And and I don't think Dak Prescott, I think the, the possibility of Dak Prescott becoming a quarterback that can literally Tom Brady backpack a franchise to the Super Bowl, I think those days are gone. I think he's, you know, he's not going to reach that height if he hasn't already. Um, so that I have, I have a lot of questions there. And obviously, you know, Thanksgiving, Commanders versus Cowboys, that's the first time they're going to play this season. That's going to be a huge matchup. And if the Commanders can come out of there with a win on Thanksgiving, that's going to be a huge catalyst to them to catapult into the second half of the season or well into the second half, deeper into the second half of the season. Um, the Eagles, again, I don't know that winning the division is something I would realistically talk about right now. We still have a lot of football to see before we can make those projections. But right now, I still think you have to look at the Eagles as big brother and the Giants. Uh, I mean, Brian, look, the, the commanders went 0-1-1 against the Giants last year. So I have no legs to stand on here. But I said last year that I thought the commanders were a better team than the Giants. I stand on that today, especially without Saquon Barkley. But it doesn't matter what the paper says, right? It matter what happens on the field. And on the field, the commanders didn't get it done. So at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. But I do see if Sam Howell plays the point guard role, the assist assist guy role, not the playmaker point guard that we're seeing today's game. Uh, well, then I think he's got enough weapons, like you mentioned. And I think the defense is good enough. You know, if you can put 22 points a game up on the board, then I think you come away with a winning record. And uh, fi- the final thing, I tell Commanders fans all the time when I see them, you know, uh, at the pep rally on the streets, whatever, they kind of ask me for a record prediction. And I will give one at some point, but I tell them, like, look, this team might win four games. This team might win 14 games. I have no idea right now. But what I'm going to tell you is it's going to be a lot of fun, regardless. Four wins, 14 wins. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens with the Commanders this year because there's a lot of wild cards out there. Well, I can't wait. It's going to be an exciting one in the NFC East for sure this season. Uh, David, always a pleasure chatting with you, man. Appreciate you jumping on the show and giving us some insight on this new Washington ownership and what this team might look like on the field in 2023. Yes, sir. Anytime. Thank you.
All right. That is David Harrison of Locked On Commanders. Make sure you follow him on all the socials and uh, subscribe up because he's got you covered for Washington football every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network as we do next. I want to talk a little bit more about the Commanders and what this NFC East looks like and where I think the Commanders are at next. Thank you once again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And make sure you are subscribed up on the new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel. And of course, you can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. All right, I'm looking at this uh, this Washington football team here, and I wonder where the there's always a, this the secret superstars that show up for teams. And, you know, we know the names, we know the first rounders, we know Terry McLaurin and, you know, um, Sam Howell is obviously huge for Washington, but I mentioned Chris Rodriguez, look out for Chris Rodriguez this year. Cause you never know when the top running back goes down and um, you know, he might be someone I'm, I'm, I'm watch listing and maybe even stashing late in my fantasy football leagues. Uh, and and on the defensive side of the ball, I love the second-round rookie, Jartavius Martin, Quan Martin. I think he's a do-it-all player in this day and age in the NFL, a player that can play deep safety for you, has the range to go sideline and sideline in single high at safety. He can come down into the box. He can match up man-to-man and, and move around to do all the positionless things to uh, you know thwart what offenses are doing in the league right now. So I love that selection. And then you know the skinny uh, first-round corner in Emmanuel Forbes. Cameron Curl's kind of been the, the secret superstar for a long time at strong safety since he was a seventh round pick uh, for the Washington Commanders. So, man, just just really kind of a stacked defense, especially if Chase Young, the 2020 first rounder, can be anywhere near what uh, what he was before the injuries in his career and, and, and what we saw out of him at Ohio State. I mean, man, you combine that with Montez Sweat and the recently upped Duron Payne that, that David talked about there. I mean, this team outside of quarterback and the unknowns there is kind of ready for prime time. And I don't disagree at all with what David said about Washington versus the New York giants and, and the way the giants are, are built. Um, and look, to be honest with you, that's a huge week, by the way, that David mentioned Thanksgiving. I think we'll know a lot about the commanders by Thanksgiving, by Thanksgiving. If you are above 500 and that means Sam Howell's probably playing some pretty good football for you in his first year as the full-time starter, and you beat the Cowboys, right, with all eyes on you on Thanksgiving, that's going to be a great sign for this football team. And I think they can go and potentially even win the division if that's the case, when you look at what this team is on paper. And we might be talking in December that the Washington Commanders have a better quarterback than the, the recently – extended Daniel Jones in New York. Like Daniel Jones might be the fourth fourth best quarterback in the division at that point. Again, it's a big if with Sam Howell, but he's got physical ability. He can run like 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 Sam Howell can. So we'll see if Eric Bieniemy uses the the legs aspect of Sam Howell as well. So, you know, but again, things can go poorly when you when you're seeing a a first-time starter in the NFL. Um, you know, how's that Washington how's that Washington offensive line looking? in front of him, which will be big. And it's probably the, it, when you look at this team on paper, the offensive line is probably the place where you think, oh man, okay, they might need some help there and some things to go right, uh, you know, and some players to develop and some veterans to have really good seasons there for them up front. Because uh, if your your quarterback doesn't have time and feels uncomfortable, that can be sort of a death sentence for an NFL offense. But um, 
Man, I think I said yesterday that I see this is what happened. So when I talked to the hosts and we started this podcast with optimism, when I talk to hosts, especially preseason, getting ready for a, a new year, there's always so much optimism. Air all 32 teams think they got better. Um, maybe except for the Arizona Cardinals, potentially is the only team, just because they know their starting quarterback is not going to be there at the beginning of the year. But every fan base thinks they got better, and there's so much optimism. Um, it's gonna be a tough division. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's potentially a pretty good team is not going to make the playoffs if, if they all play as well as we think. But, uh, after talking to Patricia, the host of locked on giants yesterday, I found myself being pretty excited about the New York giants and thinking, yeah, man, this team, they could do something. Maybe they can sort of leapfrog the Dallas Cowboys or, the, the the Philadelphia Eagles even. I mean, the Eagles, they have a really good football team, but they lost both coordinators. You know, they might start a little slow in figuring those things out with play callers on both sides of the ball. And then talking with David today and, and looking at this Washington football team a little closer. I, I kind of do like them more than the Giants now that I think about it. So I had the, the Giants third. Maybe Washington should be third. Maybe. Maybe the Cowboys are overrated. As David kind of uh, led us to believe there a minute ago. And maybe it's Washington 2, New York 3 in this division. It's going to be a fascinating one. And two teams, if not three, are going to come out of the East and make the playoffs. So uh, some work to do, and you still got to prove it. And really all eyes from the first day of training camp to preseason games to when this season gets rolling, all eyes are going to be on young quarterback Sam Howell. He was thought of at one point to be a potential first-round pick when he was at North Carolina. Lost a lot of his, his weapons in college before his last year. Didn't have as good of a, a senior season as his, his junior season. And so, or was it sophomore? Did he come out after junior year? I can't remember. But his last year wasn't as good as the year before, and you see that a lot with college players. And um, he's talented. He's got, a, he's got a really good arm. He's athletic. Not the tallest guy in the world, but I'm, I think we're seeing that that doesn't matter all that much in the NFL. So Eric Bieniemy coordinating that offense and new starter, Sam Howell. How will that go? Uh, that is the factor of the sliding scale for how good this Washington Commanders team will be in 2023. Maybe the most fascinating division in the NFL is the NFC East coming into 2023. And it's wide open in the NFC aside from a couple of those top teams. So certainly an opportunity for teams like Washington and New York in the NFC. All right. Thanks everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Be back tomorrow. More guests breaking down more teams, getting ready for the 2023 season. And of course that Peacock and Williamson mailbag coming up on uh, Thursday, later in the week. Hit me up at BD Peacock on Twitter, tag Matt at Williamson NFL, or drop a comment on YouTube to get involved with our weekly mailbags. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.